Hi, I'm Arnav Verstogi, one of the co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Unfortunately, Sapik is unable to be with us this week. Hopefully, he'll be back by next week. Nonetheless, thank you for tuning in. And in this episode, we're going to be going over a tumultuous week two of football. Let's get right into it. So there's no doubt that the big storyline this week was the plethora of injuries that plagued the league. I mean, this pandemic isn't the only disease that's affecting these teams. The injury bug has gotten around. And it's only right if we start with the 49ers who got hit the hardest. I mean, starter after starter has an injury. I mean, a team that came into the Jets game already without their top two corners in Richard Sherman and Jason Verrett, without one of their premier defensive linemen in D Ford, and offensively with question marks in the health of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, lost Jimmy G, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and George Kittle is questionable. The offensive losses are just incredible. I mean, it's hard for me to even sit here and think about this 49ers offense function and drive the ball downfield when every single weapon they have is injured. And defensively, they're going to take the biggest hit because their defense and their team in general was predicated on getting to the passer, that strong defensive line. But Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, the two best players on that line, are out for the year with torn ACLs. And now quarterbacks are going to be able to sit back, look at that suspect San Francisco pass defense, and slice and dice, move down the field and score on this team. And even if these players are able to come back, some of these players on the offense especially, in my opinion, it's going to be too late to get into the playoffs. Nonetheless, be first or second in their division, considering the way Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are playing and Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are playing. So this 49ers team, I mean, this to me spells doom for them. And they have a couple easy games ahead, but then the middle of the season hits where they have Uh, teams who are perennial Super Bowl contenders for the past few years, and it's going to be rough for this team. Uh, Moving down south with the Chargers, this injury actually was a blessing in disguise. Tyrod Taylor hurt his ribs, um, and Justin Herbert came in. And Justin Herbert played excellent. I mean, 311 yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception, a rushing touchdown. I mean, he looked big, strong, physical, And he took risks, which is excellent for a rookie quarterback. In this game, those risks paid off. Uh, But overall, I mean, taking those risks, especially early on in your career, really help you develop and mature as a passer, understand situational football. And look, this kid, I know it's only been one game, but this kid is special. And he is someone to look out for in the future. Two star running backs were also injured. Uh, over the weekend in Saquon Barkley on the Giants and Christian McCaffrey uh, on the Panthers. And this was, I mean, these are big injuries, especially for quarterbacks 
who really are defining their team season, especially uh, the Giants season predicated on Daniel Jones' development, and the Panthers season just predicated on Teddy Bridgewater trying to keep this team afloat, and two players, two quarterbacks, losing their arguably their top weapon. It's just devastating. Uh, sticking to the offense, the Eagles uh, lost their starting center, and a team that's already been decimated by offensive line injuries and has seen how they can severely affect how a team runs their offense is just continues to lose pieces. Uh, The Jaguars also uh, lost their star center in Brandon Linder, and uh, that's just adding to the dismay of the season, although they have been surprising with Gardner Minshew. Uh, The Colts lost Malik Hooker and Paris Campbell, uh, two players who were supposed to be key pieces in helping the Colts get to the playoffs and go a little bit further. Uh, the Vikings lost linebacker Anthony Barr, as if the dismal play of their rookie cornerbacks wasn't enough, losing arguably one of the best players on that defense. It's just got to hurt, especially with the poor performance of Kirk Cousins in that offense. Uh, the Ravens lost the cornerback playing opposite of Marlon Humphrey, Tavon Young, and I think this is actually going to be a big loss for the Ravens because going up against top premier AFC teams uh, like the Chiefs this weekend, they have a lot of weapons. You got the Browns with Jarvis and OBJ. I mean, this is going to be a big loss. And the Dolphins lost cornerback Byron Jones, the prize of the offseason. And though the Dolphins have depth at cornerback, it's, I mean, a, a team that was trying to build up his defense is now down one of their most pivotal pieces. So injuries ravaged players. And I have never seen more ACL injuries in my life in one week. But in my opinion, these are all just results of lack of training camp. I mean, There is a huge difference when you have three weeks of training camp versus an entire two months of training camp. Players aren't conditioned as much. They just haven't been in the flow of playing football. They've been home not doing anything because they haven't even had access to workout facilities and, uh, you know, football fields. So, I mean, this is just a side effect of the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic, uh, but it was just a terrible week of football. It was, it was just disgusting. And I, I hope these players the best, and I hope them the speediest uh, recovery. Another trend that I really noticed in week two was teams continue to choke leads. Teams don't press their advantages, and I think... The most oblivious case of this is the Falcons-Cowboys game. And this game was just, as an, as just a football fan, it was just heart-wrenching to watch the way the Falcons just dismantled in the second half. They were up 29-10. to 10. They scored 39 points and had three turnovers. The record for teams who do that was 400-0 until Sunday afternoon when it changed to 401 with that loss being the Falcons losing to the Cowboys 
40 to 39 and they played an excellent game they were firing on all cylinders but missed catches missed opportunities they all led to the falcons demise in this game and i just don't understand why teams don't press their advantage you don't take off the gas pedal in the nfl even though you're up 19 points and the falcons just played stupid and dumb and i think the epitome of that was the onside kick i mean how do your players not know that you can fall on the ball before it crosses 10 yards they were forming a circle trying to block off the ball what team does that it it was just stupid and dumb football and you know, I said it before, and I'm say it now. Dan Quinn and that coaching staff has to go. They are not equipped, and they are not capable of harnessing and coaching and giving us a finished product with the immense talent that the Falcons have, and they've proved that for the past two to three years. Ever since they got to the Super Bowl against the Patriots and choked that 28 to three lead. Another another game that I will point to is the Lions Packers game. You know, by the score, it may not seem that the Lions had any advantage in that game, especially with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers putting up a 40-burger on them, but the Lions were actually up 14-3. to Early in that game, Matt Stafford, TJ Hawkinson, Adrian Peterson, Kerryon Johnson, that running game, it was all working. They were up 14-3. to They got the ball back as well. But instead of pressing their advantage... Instead of taking advantage of the Packers' past defense, who was just all over the place, and Matt Stafford, who was sharp, precise, and hitting all the guys, they went run, run, and a missed pass, three and out, gave the ball back to Aaron Rodgers, and the other Aaron, Aaron Jones, did his thing. And this just goes to, I don't understand. Why don't teams press their advantage? You know, you're up 14-3. to Go for the chokehold. Go for it all. Come out. Go for a pass. Go for another aggressive pass. And then go for a pass because Matt Stafford is firing on all cylinders. Everything is working. Go for a play action. The Packers' run game is weak. And with that running attack working, they should have just been aggressive. Similar thing happened with the Chargers, although take it with a grain of salt because it was a rookie quarterback going up against Patrick Mahomes. Nonetheless, the Chargers were up 17-9 to in this game. And understandably, it goes to overtime 2020. The Chargers get the ball. Justin Herbert can't get it. They go three and out. But in my opinion, they should have just gone for it in fourth down. Anthony, Anthony Lynn, you know... That if you give the ball back to a Patrick Mahomes who has momentum, he will score. And that's what he did. Led the Chiefs downfield, scored a field goal. The Chargers have the advantage here. They need to press the advantage. All throughout the game, they became passive as soon as they got the lead. Similar thing happened with the Saints on Monday night. The Saints were up 10-0 with all the momentum on their side. I mean, Mike Thomas tweeted out. It might get ugly real fast. And it could have. It was an entire possibility. But what happened was the New Orleans pass defense just wasn't there. I mean, they took an off day. They wanted to enjoy Vegas instead of playing the game. They said, let's go to the casinos instead of play football. I mean, they were absent ever since the Saints went up 10-0. 
And that's what led to the Saints losing 34-24 to in the Death Star. They didn't press their advantage. They were getting sacks. They were putting the Raiders' offensive line into pressure situations. They should have dialed up some blitzes. They were getting nice coverage sacks as well. They should have played a little more aggressive defensively. And maybe it would have been 34-24 Saints. Another game where teams didn't press their advantage was the Titans-Jaguars game. And although the Titans won 33-30, they were up 24-10 at the half. They let Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars climb back into this game for no reason. It doesn't matter if you're up 29 to 10, 24-10, 10-0, 14-3. You have to press your advantage, especially if the momentum is on your side. And it's just something that I don't understand why teams don't do. And choke leads are just becoming so common in this league. And I think week two was just an example of that. Let's look ahead to week three and some of these mouth salivating premier matchups that we're going to see. I'm just sick and tired of talking about bad teams choking leads and not pressing their advantages, with the exception of the Saints. Uh, This lineup is spectacular. I mean, it's spearheaded uh, by Chiefs-Ravens on Monday night. I mean, what better way to spend Monday than watching Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes, two of the most premier teams in the National Football League. An exciting one for sure. And the game before that on Sunday night, Packers-Saints. I mean, what a game. Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, you don't get to see that every year. And I think this game is actually going to be very, very key. I think this game, especially for a Saints team that lost to the Raiders and won against the Buccaneers, both in very, very ugly fashion, I think this game is going to be very telling uh, for the Saints. And it's going to really set the tone for the rest of the year. Uh, As for the Packers, I don't think this game is really a big of the deal. I think they have many, many games down the line uh, where they can prove themselves, not to mention the fact that they are going to New Orleans. But nonetheless, this is going to be an excellent game. America's Game of the Week is no joke either. Cowboys-Seahawks, excellent game. And we're really going to find out whether uh, Dak coming back against the Falcons, looking sharp, hitting receivers, if that offense in general, if that's for real or that's a fluke. Uh, against a streaking Seahawks team uh, who's just playing excellent football, especially Russell Wilson. I mean, he already has nine touchdowns thrown two weeks in. I mean, he threw five touchdowns all to different receivers last week against the Patriots. I mean, he is playing some exceptional football. Uh, These early day games are excellent as well. Rams, Bills, Raiders, Patriots, four teams who... with the exception of the Bills, are actually surprising us with the way they're performing this week. I mean, uh, that Derek Carr-Cam Newton game is going to be something. I mean, two quarterbacks who really jumped out early in the season and are playing some of their best, best football. So there's a lot to look ahead to in Week 3, and you might want to just reserve all of Sunday for football because, I mean... Game after game after game, there is a lot of good games to watch, uh, a lot of good football to be seen, and uh, just an excellent week of football to be played. 
With that being said, thank you for listening to the 12th episode of the Backfield Rift. Be sure to tune in for our next episode where we'll recap week three of the NFL season and look ahead to week four. Until then, it's been Arnav Rostogi. Stay safe and take care.